Hello and welcome to the Toddcast. Today's topic of choice is Todd's travel. Let's talk a little bit about uh, places I've been, um, well, places I've been. Uh, saying places I've traveled to kind of implies that there are places that I've been, so um, I was going to try not to be redundant, but then I was redundant all over that sentence, and I apologize. Um, but in any case, um, I am not, you know, necessarily Mr. World Traveler, but I've I've been around the world <laughs> um, through various means, and thought I'd uh, talk a little bit about that. Um, grew up in uh, the Ohio Valley, uh, spent 19 years there. Um, I'm trying to think the furthest afield I went in that time would have been as far east as Pittsburgh. No, I wasn't going to say Pittsburgh. In the sixth grade, we had a field trip uh, to D.C. That was maybe a week. Uh, um, So I had that going for a week. Uh, Outside of that, any sort of regular traveling, um, is as far east as Pittsburgh. Um... Pre-Navy, I would say the far west is also the farthest north I've gone, which would have been Detroit. Uh, there was an instance where a buddy of mine from the dorms who lived on our floor somehow scored tickets to a Plant and Page ticket in Detroit, uh concert in Detroit, uh, back when they, they sort of kind of reformed there in the early 90s, um, or mid-90s, whatever it was, uh, page plant, uh, he somehow got tickets, I somehow had money, uh, and we, we took a road trip to Detroit, and I think that's as far, uh, north and west as I've been, um, nope, I'm lying again, uh, when I was five, maybe, um, my mom, my older sister, uh, and my grandma and I went to Chicago, via Greyhound bus, because that's just the way to travel, um, to visit our uncles there, and we spent, I'm guessing a week, I don't know, I was very tiny, and don't remember very much of it at all, um, so that would be, that would be the furthest west at that point, I still want to say Detroit would be as far north as we got, um, and the furthest south I would have been at that stage in the game Crap. I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, For the most part in the use, Martins Ferry, Ohio, feel free to find that on a map, um, is is kind of where everything was centered. It's it's right across the river from Wheeling, West Virginia, to give give you a little more popular um, location to to use as a point of reference. Uh, And I would be hard-pressed to say what small town in Ohio <laughs> it, it made made it out to being the furthest south I'd ever been. Um, didn't really have a need to go anywhere, um, as I may or may not have said previously. Um, we didn't really do vacations as a family growing up, so we didn't really go that, that far afield. Um, and so most of it was right there in the Ohio Valley. Um with the exception of the D.C. trip and the the Chicago trip, 
everything else was pretty much there in the valley except for the occasional day trip here or there. Um, and those didn't really happen all that often either. Um, I mean, when I moved from from Ferry to, you know, the University of Akron, that was, you know, a haul um, compared to what I was accustomed to, and that was, what, an hour or two away? Um, so very, very, um, you know, centrally based there in, in the Ohio Valley uh, for, for most of my, um, all of my youth, let's, let's be honest. Um, when I was 19, uh, you know, went up to the University of Akron, as mentioned, uh, did that for a year, and for, you know, reasons I may have already discussed and or are too complicated to get into in a quick, uh, note here, um, after that year in Akron, uh, decided to join the Navy. Um, Boot camp was in Great Lakes, um, Illinois, or Great Mistakes, as we called it, uh, which is just just basically right outside of Chicago. Um, going to boot camp was my first ever time on an aeroplane, um, so, you know, that was fun and interesting, because, um, you know, not having been on a plane, uh, I had some, some reservations there. Uh, but I think the anxiety um, and trepidation of, holy shit, I'm going to boot camp, overruled any fear of flying I might have had, because I don't remember it being that, you know, altogether petrifying for me, uh, you know, at the time. Um, it was the first time I experienced turbulence, which I came to find I cared not for at all. Um, again, I may or may not have mentioned to you folk um, the the mild sort of motion sickness I get when I'm a passenger in a, you know, a car, let alone, uh, you know, in a, uh, an airplane going through turbulence, so that was no fun, but again, I don't think it bothered me that much then, because I had other shit on my mind, um, so yeah, we flew out of Pittsburgh to, uh, what I assume is, you know, the Chicago airport, um, you know, hung out there waiting for, um, some sort of bus to come pick us up. Um, the most memorable piece of that is getting off of the plane, realizing that, you know, they don't let you smoke in boot camp. This is the last time I get to smoke. And getting off the plane and firing one up and walking through the, you know, through the, the halls of the airport, despite the, you know, regular um, announcements over the loudspeakers of smoking is prohibited inside the whatever, whatever, and I just didn't give a shit. I'm like, these are the last cigarettes I'm going to have for God knows how long. And what are you going to do to me? Put me in the Navy? Um, which ended up not causing any actual problems. Um, it was sort of a last act rebellion sort of a deal. Um, and sure enough, I ended up not having another cigarette for, you know, the next uh, two months. Um, and that maybe is a different story, um, the, the smoking situation. But anyway, thoughts um, on a bus was there in, in Great Lakes, uh, and boot camp happened, which is definitely a whole story all in itself, and doesn't really involve a lot of travel, uh, you don't leave base, uh, for, for two months solid, um, after that, uh, got shipped off to a school to, to learn my trade, uh, and that was in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, um, 
which again entailed some air travel, um, which I was not as freaked out about at the time and felt the full force of, oh, yeah, this is not a thing I'm super fond of. Um, again, with the turbulence and the takeoffs and the landing and stuff. Um, I mean, I can deal with it. It's all good. At this stage, I've done plenty of flying. While it's not my favorite, it's not a deal breaker. Um, it's just I don't like having my insides jumbled around like that, really. Um, so got to enjoy Missouri. Uh, I got to enjoy Missouri in the winter, um, which was extra fun, um, especially when, you know, the routine involved, you know, minimum of three days a week going outside and running in snow that was sometimes up to our knees. Um, good, good times. Uh, so that was four months that I spent there, I want to say. Uh, that sounds about right. I turned 21 while I was there. Um, and we went to St. Louis. And God, oh, of course I was a 21-year-old dude. We went to Hooters because that was a thing that existed and seemed fun and I guess was at the time. Um, and got some hotel and got, you know, I really don't remember much of the evening. Um, again, turned 21, you do the math. Um, but uh, after that, um, got to take some leave, so came home, back to the valley. Um, got married, but we're just going to skip right past that. Um, but I basically had like two weeks between that, and then I got shipped off to my first duty station, uh, which was Puerto Rico. Um, Puerto Rico was nice. I, I enjoyed Puerto Rico. Um, as a person who, who, who grew up in, in Ohio, um, and it just, you know, ex experienced the worst winter I'd ever had ever in Missouri, uh, a tropical island was a nice change of pace. I, I could get behind that. Um, I, I specifically recall when I got picked up, uh, at the airport by, you know, the, the, the Navy folk who came to pick me up. Uh, when you first uh, join your unit, you're assigned uh, a buddy, a uh, person who's there to help you, you know, learn the ropes of, you know, your particular unit and what's going on. Um, mine was kind of a dick. Uh, I didn't know that immediately, but I would slowly, you know, come to find this out. Uh, you know, he was a dick and also a person who apparently somehow thought that I was stupid, which was extra insulting. Um because the group, you know, the, the the group I was with, the the job that I had, like a prerequisite to that was that you score pretty high on the ASVABs and that you, you know, have studied trig in high school, which is, you know, not necessarily the mark of a genius, but it kind of implies that you're not a complete dumbass. Uh, and my buddy was one of those with me. We were both engineering aides. Uh, you know, and on the way, you know, in, you know, in the car from the airport to the base, he looks and said and asks me if I traded in, you know, my money for Puerto Rican money. And I just looked at him like, so this is how this is going to go. Okay, good, good, good deal. Um, on the off chance that you don't know, Puerto Rico uses American currency. There is no Puerto Rican money. Um, but for some reason that just sticks in, my, sticks in my brain and frankly sticks in my craw apparently because I'm still bitter after all these years. Um, Puerto Rico is nice. Um, very nice weather. Um, the 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 base that we were at, um, specifically the CB camp within the base that we were at, uh, was actually like on the beach, <laughs> which was pretty which was pretty rad. Um, 
the specifically the laundry facility um, was like literally on the beach. Like you threw your stuff in the wash, took ten steps out the door, and there is the beach. Um, so you could sit there and you know listen to the waves and just kind of chill in the heat and whatever, and then you know go change your stuff to the dryer and do that some more. And it was it was pretty pretty awesome. Um, the Puerto Rico experience for me. Um, outside of the temperature and climate and such, was really not that terribly different from your average American experience. Um, and that is because, you know, when you're on on base, it's you're, you're basically in America. Uh, I mean, everything is in English. All the people are generally speaking Americans. Uh, you know, whereas back home you'd go to the mall, here you'd go to, you know, the exchange, which is... The, the military equivalent of like a big department store, um, you know, they had a McDonald's and a pizza joint and you know all that stuff uh, immediately available. Like you, you might as well have been in you know Florida or California or any other sunny place that you know wasn't foreign. Um, and I spent most of my time on base. Like you, we were allowed to leave base. There wasn't a problem there. Uh, it was a combination of just not really having that much adventurous inclination to want to go, uh, combined with there was stuff to do on base to where you didn't need to go, and the big piece was, ain't none of us had vehicles. <laughs> um, so there were buses that would take you, you know, around around the base, and, you know, they, you know, had a duty driver with a truck that would, you know, drive people in places. Uh, but if you wanted to get off base, you kind of had to have a vehicle or, you know, some means by which to do so. And I just did not have the means by which to make that happen, nor, like I said, the inclination. Um, I'm not a real big person in terms of having regrets. So I wouldn't say that I regret that. But looking back on it, I would say, yeah, it probably would have been better if I were a little more adventurous. Uh, I could have seen some more stuff, been exposed a little more to, you know, other cultures and, and different things other than just the same old Americana I've, I've always known. Um, notable exception to that uh, would be um, one of the guys in in my in 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 the battalion and specifically in uh, the engineering division uh, was Carlos and Carlos was was a CB uh, you know he was an engineering aide uh, second class. Uh, he was also, you know, a, a Puerto Rican, um, and it just happened that, hey, he got to, you know, be deployed to his homeland, which was super awesome for him, and, uh, you know, <laughs> hooray, uh, but had the advantage of he actually did have a car, um, and there were points where, you know, there was, you know, one notable point to where he's like, hey, guys, you want to, you know, head out, head to, you know, I don't know if it was San Juan or somewhere, you know, else, but do you want to go out? Um, and it was me, him, uh, and my, my buddy Kenny. Um, you will probably hear more about Kenny as time goes by. Uh, we, we were super tight. He was awesome. Um, you want, you guys want to go out and out, you know, out in town, go, go to this town and, you know, go shopping or whatever. And we're like, yeah, man, cool. Um, and we did that and we went around and saw some stuff and it was cool. And I, and on the, I want to say it was on the way back. We were all getting hungry. He's like, you know, where you where you want to, you know, where you want to go? And again, being boring young men, 
were like, oh, there's a Pizza Hut up here. Let's do that. Um, because, footnote, Pizza Huts play largely, not intentionally, but they just do in my travels. Wherever I go, apparently, there's a Pizza Hut. Um, and he's like, sure, whatever. Um, and we go into the Pizza Hut. Uh, I, I should take a quick side step here and mention that um, at this period in my life, um, the, the aesthetics of Todd. Um, Kenny, um, bless his soul, introduced me to punk rock. Um, and we listened to a lot of it, and, uh, frankly, we looked apart. Um, imagine me, scrawny, tall, pasty white dude, uh, with, let's face it, the, 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 the porno mustache, uh, and otherwise a completely shaven head. I don't think at that point I was, you know, shaving it down with an actual razor blade, but they, they, they set those trimmers down as low as they could go, and we, we weren't having a whole lot of hair going on, because uh, there were all the regulations, you had to keep it such and such, and I just said, screw it, let's just get rid of all this shit. Um, and so, basically a shaved head. Um, obviously, during working hours, I wore, you know, my uniform, you know, um, camouflage, uh, you know, BDUs that you would expect to see. But in your off hours, you can wear, you know, whatever you want. There's still, you had to, you know, there were still some regulations around that. But um, the typical thing was, you know, some sort of punk rock or, or heavy metal black T-shirt. Um, basically shredded-ass, cut-off shorts of some sort. Um, and I found that I really did love my combat boots. Um you know, we had to wear them as part of our uniform. I chose to wear them at other times because I just enjoyed them, and it frankly kind of fit in with the the whole you know sort of punk motherfucker uh, aesthetic I had going on. So, mind you, as we are you know going around town and entering this Pizza Hut, Kenny and I both look like a couple of you know scraggly, shaven-headed punk rock sons of bitches. Uh, in combat boots and, you know, whatever. Carlos, mind you, is dressed in a nice pair of slacks and, like, a... I can't remember if it was, like, a button-up shirt or if it were it was like, a polo, but, like, very presentable, very, very good. Um, so that... I, I imagine anyone who would have saw, to, saw us would have wondered, you know, what the hell that's about. Um, so we go into the pizza hut and we get seated and it's, you know, there's, you know tables and a waitress and all that, and we get there, and they had Mountain Dew on the menu, so I was all down, and, you know, I think Kenny and Carlos had a beer, um, you know, we order the pizzas, and we're just, we're just sitting there, you know, shooting shit, talking about whatever, uh, not paying a whole lot of attention to our surroundings, just, it's a pizza hut, I've seen a pizza hut, I've been in a million pizza huts, um, there's nothing really to see here, I'm not gonna get, you know, I wasn't real concerned, um, and the pizza show up, and I do what you do with pizza. I grab a slice and put it on my plate and proceed to pick it up and bite it and chew and eat pizza like you eat pizza, as does Kenny. And um, we're about three or four bites in, just, you know, having ourselves some good old-fashioned pizza. And Carlos is sitting across from us with a knife and fork, like, cutting it up and looking at us, like, with a combination of horror slash 
oh my god, you guys are embarrassing me so badly. And we kind of look up at him and we're like, dude, what's up with you? And he kind of does that thing where he doesn't look around, but kind of darts with his eyes to the other people. Um, and we look around. And they're like, we finally take in the surroundings. And it's like people on dates and families, like, well-dressed, well, you know, this is this is this was like a, a a going out to dinner kind of situation, and everybody is using knife and fork to cut the pizza up and eat it, and like we couldn't have stuck out more, <laughs> uh, and we kind of look around and go, huh, Carlos, is this how Pizza Hut's work here? And he's like, yeah, uh, you, what you're doing is not normal, and being the ignorant arrogant punk motherfuckers that we were, we're like, that's bullshit. This is Pizza Hut. This is pizza. We're doing it right. Y'all are fucked up. And proceeded to eat our pizza like assholes. Um, And that's, you know, that's not necessarily one of my proudest moments, um, but it kind of shows you just how culture shocky uh, and how uncultured I was at the time, I guess, is the, the point of that story. Um... Other than, and I think there was maybe one other trip where we went to, to uh, I want to say San Juan and kind of saw some stuff. But other than that, it was it was it was on base um, for like four months um, of doing you know nothing of that you couldn't do in America. Um, after that, the, the 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 battalions go on seven month deployments. So you spend seven months in one place, and then you go to your home port for seven months, and then you get deployed somewhere else for seven months, and then you go back to your home port for seven months. And it's just a rotation like that. Um, I joined the battalion, like, mid-deployment, so it was only, like, four months in Puerto Rico. Um, and after that, our, our home home port was in Gulfport, Mississippi. Um, hello to anyone who lives in, you know, Gulfport or Biloxi, Mississippi. Um, understand that the next state sentiments are not uh, directed against you specifically. Um, I will leave it as there is a reason I don't like the South. Um, the level of ignorance and racism and Confederate flags and just utter nonsense that I experienced while I was there is, is not my idea of fun. Um, but I got to experience it, um... Again, it was America. You, there were, you know, everything in every town in America was available there. Really nothing noteworthy to speak of from a travel perspective, and we'll just leave that go. Um, every seven months I went back there for seven months, and yeah. Um, the next deployment was to Okinawa, Japan, um, which is certainly the furthest afield I've ever been. Um Maybe this is an interesting side note. Uh, being, you know, members of the Navy um, and traveling to Okinawa, Japan, uh, of course we got there by chartered 747, uh, which kind of threw me for a loop. I, I figured we were going to get thrown in the back of a C-130 or put on some sort of slow boat or whatever. But no, we, we went to the, the local airport and got on a chartered 747 as a battalion and flew uh, 
to Okinawa, Japan via Alaska. Um, we had a layover in Alaska uh, where, of course, I rushed to the nearest exit to stand out in the ridiculous cold to burn as many cigarettes as I could before we had to board the next leg. Um, it was like a 24-hour flight. I slept through most of it. At that point, I knew enough about travel to know, you know what, I need to load up on Dramamine and uh, just try and be unconscious for as much of this as humanly possible, which which I did. Um, landed in, in Okinawa. Um, that was cool. Again, a tropical-ish sort of island. Um, good, good times there. Um, again, on the bordering regret end of things, the seven months I spent there were spent primarily on base. Um, did not venture out, did not go out and see cool things and awesome stuff and different cultures. Um, really kind of wish I had. Um, we did leave, I mean, I guess we did leave base. Um, that base was kind of in a city where you could go out and do things. Uh, but what's disappointing in that is when we did that and went out into the city, um, there was a game store right outside of the base, which was awesome, because, you know, again, as is probably well known, uh, Big Gamer, um, all the role-playing stuff you you could ever want, um, comic books, uh, that's where I picked up uh, the first um, Battletech box set, which is probably the first war game style thing I ever played, um, so we'd hit that. Um, there was a store called the Ammo Box, which was basically the overseas equivalent to what would now be Hot Topic, um, or Spencer's Gifts. Mash those two together and ship it overseas, and that's what the Ammo Box was. Uh, so we'd go there for cool t-shirts and stuff. Um, they had a bunch of cool music stores, um music stores at this point in time being you could get a bunch of CDs. Uh, that was the the media of choice at that point. Um, funny tidbit there, um, it was around this time that, uh, oh, shoot, I forget what album it was, but it was the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, um, and the song that was on the air was That's the Impression That I Get. Uh, it was my first exposure to the Boston's, and I ate that shit up. And with that one being on regular, you know, airplay, we could, we got that one on at the base exchange. Like you'd get that anywhere. Uh, but we went out to to you know these uh, one of their music stores and wanted to get you know some of their other stuff. Um, and the first music store we go and we look in the rock section. Uh, we look in the punk section not finding it, we go to another music store, same thing, I think it was like the third one we went to, um, we're looking and we're like, nothing, like, not even the latest release, which we're like, oh, what do these guys have against the Boston's, uh, and this, this little old woman, uh, little huddled over, wrinkled old lady looks, you know, who works there, uh, looks at us and goes, you know, can I help you find a thing, uh, and we looked at her and we're like, you know, what the heck, Mighty Mighty Boston's? Uh, and she looks at us and says, oh, yeah, ska section. It never even occurred to us that a store would have a ska section. Uh, but sure enough, we we pretty much bought their entire catalog uh, at that point. Um, and goes to show that, you know, there are places that you can go that have things you never would expect. And oftentimes, it's just not what you would think. Um, 
unrelated to travel, um, you know, I've been to a lot of places and gone to a lot of music stores and looked for, you know, a lot of things and tried to find rarities. Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, Henry Rollins, uh, and particularly his spoken word stuff. Um, where did I find most of the Henry Rollins spoken word stuff that I bought? In the, you know, music store back in, you know, St. Clairsville, Ohio, where, you know, there wasn't anything of any sort ever to be found ever as far as I knew. But I could pick up, you know, six or seven of his spoken word discs there like it was nothing. Um, couldn't find them anywhere, you know, anywhere else, but somehow that worked out still boggles my mind. Um, uh, Okinawa was cool. Um, also highlights another thing of, boy, Todd, you just can't seem to get anything sequenced correctly in your life. Uh, spent seven months in Japan, in Okinawa. Uh, guess when I first tried sushi for the first time in my life? That's right, it was probably about six or seven years ago here in Columbus, Ohio, because that makes the most sense. Uh, I, I just was not adventurous or interesting as a young person. I'm, I'm slowly finding out, because, uh, you know, somebody said sushi, and I just said, oh, raw fish, that sounds gross, and just didn't even bother trying. Um, and I'm super glad that I've gotten past that, but it's unfortunate that I had the chance to have sushi in Japan and just pissed that opportunity away. Um, whatever. I mean, it is what it is. Um, there's no going back. Um, I am nearly home, and there is still a fair bit to talk about, so this is probably going to end up being part one um, of this tale. Um, and there seemed to be some sort of accident in front of me, so we're going to go ahead and pause the cast and pick this up uh, with a part two on another journey. Um, and we'll talk to you at that point. Thank you. Hello, and welcome back to the Toddcast. Uh, we're picking up uh, where we did from the last one. So, where were we? Uh, let's see. Accident in the road. Uh, avoided. Um, close to home. I got there. Um, and back to work. And a full day of work. And a fancy soiree courtesy of uh, Abby Hersey Illustration and Design. Um she uh, designed all the programs and signage and so forth uh, for a benefit that was being had locally. Um, and so she scored some VIP tickets. Uh, we just finished that up. And I am now, uh, again, heading home from the office where we had parked her car. Um, I imagine this is probably going to be even shorter, what with it being uh, 9 in the evening. Um, traffic tends to be pretty forgiving at that point. So we're going to hit right back into it. So, I believe in the atlas of my life, we just left off with, I want to say, Okinawa. It's It's been over 24 hours, and my memory is maybe not so great. So, I'm going to say Okinawa. I think that's where we left off. That's what I'm going to go with. Um, and I'm pretty sure we covered that pretty well. So... After Okinawa, went back to uh, Gulfport, Mississippi, in all of its glory, uh, for another delightful seven months. Um, did all of that, nothing to report, 
skipping ahead. Uh, so the next deployment, uh, basically NMCB-7 basically bounced between Puerto Rico, Gulfport, Okinawa, Gulfport, Puerto Rico, Okin you know, Gulfport, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. Um, but that's where the main body of the battalion would go. Um, they also had smaller details go to other places. Um, and I'd be hard-pressed to label what they were, but they were other areas in the general region, generally speaking, um, that you could go to, um, well, <laughs> that you got sent to. It, it really, You really didn't have a choice. Um, if you got lucky, you got to go to cool places. If you weren't lucky, you went to some uncool places. And if you were, meh, you were, you know, left with the main body in whichever main land mass they put you on. Uh, so the next rotation was meant to be Puerto Rico. Um, somehow, uh, I managed to uh, get put on uh, Det Norfolk, uh, which is Norfolk, Virginia. Um, so I got to stay stateside. Um, in a podcast about world travel, I got to continue to stay in the United States. Um, this was generally considered a bonus, um, as I'd already been to Puerto Rico, and, you know, had like it would have been a repeat of the last time. Like, it, it's the same base in Puerto Rico, and wasn't real excited about that. And again, not super adventurous uh, at, in that age. Uh, and staying in the state seems like a keen thing to me. So, um, to me, it was a win. Um, and so really, there's not much to tell. It's, it was, you know, a group of us on a Navy base in Norfolk stateside. Um, it's probably everything you would imagine it to be. Uh, <laughs> um, it was, uh, pleasant weather, um, in the States and, We'll, we'll leave that go. And I was there for probably about four months out of the seven. And then Hurricane Georges um, proceeded to um, hit Honduras and basically wreck their stuff. And as a construction battalion unit, and I should also mention with it being peacetime, um, we were emergency redeployed there to provide um, humanitarian assistance uh, to help them, you know, rebuild their bridges and roads uh, and so forth, um, which was good in the helping out our fellow man sense of things. It was less great in, then, in that it took what was going to be a really cushy seven-month gig stateside and turned it into a bunch of living in tents in, you know, an area that just got devastated by a hurricane. Um, so that happened. Um, so I got to, in, you know, go to Honduras uh, once again. The way they do that is they send the main body of the battalion to to a location, and we proceeded to um, build a tent city um, for ourselves to live in um, as job number one. So a a lot of time spent in uh, 
tents, uh, many of which had never been outside of their original packing crates. Um, they were just sort of in storage. And funny thing about tents, uh, the military tents when they're in storage, um, whatever it is that they use to make them waterproof and well-sealed, uh, I guess deteriorates over time. So uh, you've got a 16-person tent, uh, and you're in there, and, and they, they ship the tents, and everyone is issued their own sleeping bag and little sleep, you know, little thin foam sleeping mat thing. Um, the cots come extra. They came later. Um, and so it was sleeping in a 16-person tent basically in the mud, uh, and all of the tents leaked. Like, you almost didn't bother. Um because everywhere where there was stitching, the water just came right through. And there's a lot of seams on a 16-person tent that's, you know, the size of a, a small camper. Um, and so you go, there was no good way to position yourself so you weren't going to get drenched. And in Honduras, in that season, it rained minimum once per day. Um, so that was kind of miserable. Um... And it was weird because once we built the tent city, um, well, I guess I should say we weren't allowed to leave the camp um, at all, ever, initially. Um, and so you built, we built the camp, and then we all just kind of hung out there while they tried to figure out where to send us and what to do and for the rest of the you know machinery and gear to show up. Because uh, a lot of it involved, you know, building roads. You you don't just do with a bunch of dudes and shovels. You need, you know, um, I'm going to forget the names of all of the construction equipment, but imagine any road you've seen built in the heavy construction gear, the trucks and the, the, the graders and roller things and all that stuff. You need those pieces, and those had to get, you know, shipped to us. Um, and it's real easy to get, you know, a couple hundred dudes on site in some tents. Getting all the rest of that gear there took a while. So, you know, the first day or two was, you know, building tents like crazy people, and then it was like two, it had to have been at least two, three weeks of just sitting around on our asses doing a whole bunch of nothing because there wasn't anything to do. Um, it was stupid hot in the day. It was still pretty hot at night, but you were getting soaked um, from the, the rain. It was just kind of miserable and didn't seem to really serve any kind of real purpose. Uh, I did learn to play cribbage, so that was a bonus. Uh, basically, you you get up in the morning, you you know go get breakfast. They would you know have us you know muster and be in formation, kind of take a head count, pass whatever word there was of the day, of which there was often not much. And then the game was let's find a tent where no one is and we can go hide in there so that we don't just look like we're sitting around doing nothing, even though there's nothing for us to do, but sit around and do nothing. Um, and that persisted for a little while. Uh, once gear showed up, they again sort of subdivided the battalion and sent us off in different directions. Uh, and as a guy whose job was to basically be a surveyor and a draftsman, 
and a materials tester, um, there wasn't any drafting to be done. Like, all this stuff was already figured out. There were, you know, wasn't any drawing up of any plans to be done. Um, surveying was not a thing that was really necessary because, you know, the the particular detail I got off, put on, we were building what they called gabion cages, which is basically if you take a chicken wire thing that's about a meter by a meter by two meters and wire it together into a cage and then fill it with giant rocks and then put it somewhere and then you stacked other ones on and around it uh, on a riverbed uh, to sort of act as a foundation for a bridge. Um, and the water could pass through them, but because all the rocks were in cages, they didn't go anywhere. You really don't need a surveyor for that, but they wanted to make use of all the peoples. So I spent um, two, three months in the sun, filling, you know, wiring wire cages together and filling them with rocks uh, in the crazy, insane sun. Uh, I got so sunburnt I couldn't. I mean, I had to wear a shirt because you had to be in uniform. But it it hurt to put on my T-shirt in the morning, just the weight of the shirt. Um, so red, it was not funny. Um, bonus item to that is I no longer get severely sunburned. Apparently, I did as much damage as my skin could deal with. Uh, and it just said, you know what, we're cool. We're not going to, you know, burn anymore. You, you've already done your life quota of sunburn. Um, so I'm sure there's skin cancer in my future for that. Um, there were several days where it got so hot I quit sweating. Um, and this is despite drinking water like crazy. Um, but yeah, good times. Um, after a point, they did let us kind of, sort of get out. Um, and I guess it should be mentioned that we were in Honduras over Thanksgiving, over Christmas, for New Year's, like the whole shebang. Uh, I remember for Thanksgiving, we were still with the main unit, and they took us all to some local um, restaurant that made us the Honduran's best attempt at a Thanksgiving meal. Um, and I say that in appreciation for them trying, but... It was like if you, uh, well, I guess let's flip the script a little. If you asked your average American to prepare a traditional Honduran feast of pick a holiday that they have there that we don't have here. Uh, <laughs> um, so it was a good approximation. Like I said, I very much appreciate it. Uh, it kind of speaks to the area that we went to, because um, we went there for disaster relief to build bridges and rebuild things. And there were areas that were just completely devastated. But they also had, you know, other areas that were completely up and servable. Like, there were shopping malls that were open. I'm sure somewhere there was a KFC. And I know for a fact that there was a Pizza Hut, because that will show up later in, if not this story, another story further into the future. Um, I promise you, there, there's another foreign land Pizza Hut story in your future. Um, but, so, they took us all out 
to Thanksgiving, and then that came and passed, and must have been somewhere in the month of December, where they shipped us off uh, as a subunit off to the little area where I was uh, filling wire cages with rocks. Um, after we were there for a while, they decided, you know what, we're going to let you guys, you know, go out and about. Um, and mission one was getting clothing, because when you emergency redeploy, you don't take any civilian clothing. There's no space, and you're frankly not allowed. Uh, it's just uniforms. And they're like, we're going to let you guys go out into town. We're gonna, we've got this truck. We're going to, you know, when we're done for the day, if you guys want to go into town, we can drive you out there, be at this place by, you know, 11 o'clock, and we'll bring you back. But mission one is you guys need to go buy clothes because um, we don't want you running around in uniform, which seems a little ridiculous because where we were, if you were – not an obvious Honduran, you were clearly one of the Navy guys there to help do the thing. And the people there were generally well disposed toward us. It's not like we needed to blend in and we were under any threat, but still, um, so Mission 1 was going out and getting, you know, buying an outfit or two, and then we were allowed to go out to town. Um, and again, I will come back to the Pizza Hut story. I will also come back to, um, how to put this delicately. Um, my first... No. Um, the first time I was ever in the physical presence of actual ladies of the night. And I will say that I was not a participant in this. Uh, I do not... I am not interested in, in paying for that sort of thing. Uh, but it was probably the first time in my life that I'd ever been, you know, in the physical presence of, uh, those who exchange, um, money for, uh, the good times, let's say. Um, and that's a story for another time as well. Um, but got to, got to, got to be around Honduras a, a little bit. Um, for Christmas, there was our, our commanding officer made friends with some local dude who brought us all over to his house for Christmas, uh, which was pretty rad. That was pretty cool. Um, it was the first time I'd ever been near and taken part in a, a pig roast, and they actually, it was a full-on, you know, hog on a spit over a fire situation. Um, it was pretty all right. It's, you know... Uh, definitely a variation on Christmas ham, but it, it worked out okay. Um, got done in Honduras, uh, went back to Gulfport, and a few months later is, you know, kind of when, when I got out. Um, went to Florida. A uh, buddy of mine, Kenny, as I've made mention before, a uh, good buddy of mine all the way from A school, all the way through the battalion. Uh, he got out just a, a little bit before I did. Um, and he's like, listen, you know, you're welcome to, to, you know, come, come to St. Pete, uh, because, you know, typically when you get out, you go back to where you came from, and, um, as a youth, I fought real hard to get out of the Ohio Valley in the first place, um, and wasn't necessarily keen to go back, uh, I just, I didn't figure there would be good work or good whatever. Like, I, I missed my family and wanted to see them, but wasn't necessarily looking to put my, my roots down there again. Um, he's like, come to St. Pete. There's 
all kinds of stuff to do. There's plenty of work. You can do whatever. It'll be great. And so that's what I did. Um, so I lived for damn near decades in St. Pete, Florida. Um, there are quite a few stories to come on that. I'm not going to get into all that right now. Um, when that went south, um, odd pun, kind of, sort of, <laughs> intentional, uh, it, it came full circle and I went back to the Ohio Valley. Um, and again, thank you, Crystal, Tim, and Janie for, uh, taking me in, uh, in my hour of need. Um, stuck around there for a little bit and then, you know, moved to Columbus and that's, that's, that's where I've been calling home base ever since. Um, since then, uh, Abby, the girls, and I have been all over the country. Uh, as I may have mentioned, we have been to the 48, the main 48, uh, United States. Uh, I've personally been to Alaska by virtue of it being a layover on the way to Okinawa. So I can personally claim 49 states that I've been to. Um, we can't as a family. Uh, but I can claim 49 of the 50 states. Haven't been to Hawaii. Um, the big plan is when I turn 50, we're going to go to the 50th state, and I can check that off the old bucket list. So, um, got that going on. Um, when Abby and I got married, we went to uh, our honeymoon was at an all-inclusive resort in Mexico. So, got to go to Mexico, and... Uh, because Abby is a frugal genius, uh, she's been able to be the architect of some really sweet deals, uh, to make that happen, uh, for the honeymoon, and it turns out that it is actually affordable enough that we basically go back every year for our anniversary, or at some point in November, in honor of our anniversary. Um, I'm trying to think if we've ever actually been there on our anniversary. Maybe, I don't think so. Um, but it's good times. That, that, that's travel. Um, this time around, when I'm in a foreign land, we go and we see stuff and do stuff. Um, the little little town that's around um, the resort is fantastic. Uh, we've taken a bunch of day trips to go see um, the ruins and such. Uh, Chichen Itza is, is, is pretty freaking awesome. Um, there are a couple of other spots we've gone to go see. Um, again, I really wish that as a youth, I'd have taken advantage of all of the free travel <laughs> to actually take some of it in, but it is what it is, um, you know, but, uh, that is kind of the tale of where I've been and what I've seen and how that worked. Um, in the retelling, I realized that a fair bit of it's fairly boring because I'm a dumb, young, arrogant American who just wants to eat at Pizza Hut and buy, you know, blue jeans and, I don't know, do boring American crap and not actually see anybody else's anything. Um, but I have been to the places. I have I have seen some stuff. Um, and again, I am nearly home, so that timed out fairly well. Um, thanks again for uh, for joining me on part two of uh, Todd's Travels, and uh, we'll have some more stories for you here in the future. Um, everybody have yourself a, a fantastic 
uh, time, and I will talk to you all later.